VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like a full line of Redestein tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. All from TireRack.com. TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with the code DUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the city of Angels, where the Dodgers stink after their worst start since, what, 1958? And uh, the Angels aren't much better because they have no bullpen. We have the Chargers, we have the Rams, but you know what we don't have? We don't have an NBA team competing in the NBA playoffs. We'll talk some LeBron James. Is he just smarter than the average bear and doing the old rope-a-dope? Or do we have a problem with his ability to get his own shot versus the Boston Celtics? We'll talk about that upcoming. The Jet, Jason Terry, will join us in about 15 minutes or so here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Welcome in. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope your mother was well compensated for all her hard work. Whether you win diamonds or just flowers or a note or Sherry's berries, as I went with my mom. However, you went about thanking mom 
she did bring you into this world, put you in this world, she can take you out, right? That's the, that's the point, famous line back when Bill Cosby was funny. Anyway, I got a bunch of things to get to. Want to talk some LeBron? I'm going to pronounce Tiger Woods officially back, even though he did not finish with a top five finish at the Players' Championship. I'll tell you why. Clay Travis is going to join us. Clay Thompson doing something that everyone always, or talking about doing something that people have talked about doing for years, but it may finally become a reality how it relates to Calvin Johnson's decision to walk away from football. Clay Thompson, Calvin Johnson, two different sports, two completely different conversations, how it's related. Also, the nonsensical discussion about, you know, the Celtics don't need Kyrie Irving. And boy, that is a real, that's a wow. That is a low, lowest common denominator combo. Yes. Two all-stars sitting on the Celtics bench means, and them winning a game against the Cavs means they don't need them. Wow. But I want to start with the news of the day, which just happens to be the news du jour. Mm. Sports betting may well become legal in your state. And you have, wait for it, Chris Christie to thank for it. The former governor in the state of New Jersey, pushed legislation that ultimately went before the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court struck down a ruling from 1992, giving the states back their rights to set their own gambling laws. This seems like a red herring, right? I don't know anyone, anyone who's ever gone, you know, I'd really like to bet on tonight's game, but I don't have the ability to do so. Do you? All right. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it's not like the police are breaking up these gambling rings time and time again. I'm not sure what's easier, to score weed at a Dave Matthews Band concert or to gamble from your phone. Advantage push. But I think the ruling, and I, I, actually, I understand that I know nothing about constitutional law. I don't profess to. I'm not a lawyer. I just play one on the radio. I'm not a moralist. But this is the wrong thing for us. And like, what are you talking about, Godlieb? You pick games every Friday, and you've done well for me in college football, in college basketball, in the NFL, and the NBA. You're right. You're right. We're always going to have picks. We're always going to bet lines. We're always going to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. And you're always going to lose money. As my former college coach, Eddie Sutton, told us the first time we got the plane in Las Vegas, look around, boys, see all these big buildings? Actually, he said, you know they don't build them because people are winning money, don't you? The house always wins. All right. I mean, I saw how many how many geniuses yesterday did you see that said Cavs plus one? Game one, gimme, 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 gimme. Dude, that thing was over after the jump ball. Or actually it was over after a 25-2 to run in the first half. I think it's the wrong thing because something my wife told me about, I, I got, we're working through issues with all of our kids, right? Everybody who has kids, Mother's Day, you're sitting there and you're like, man, moms work through these issues all the time, more so even than dads. 
And one of the issues I'm working through with my son is when he makes him, when somebody else makes a mistake on his team, he's great about it. Hey, it's okay, buddy. Get him next time. Don't worry about it. He'll give a kid a hug. He'll give him a smack on the, on the booty. Like he is a really, really good teammate when somebody else makes a mistake. When he makes a mistake, you would think it's the end of the world. He'll start crying. He'll lose his mind. It's because he thinks he's let everybody down. And it's been an issue in basketball and football and and now in baseball. To which we told him, hey, dude, you do it again in baseball. I'm taking you off the the field. To which Saturday, uh, he was playing first base. The ball was poorly thrown, although he probably could have gotten it. But it was poorly thrown. Not his fault. Um, He went to recover it when it went to the fence behind him at first base. He throws it to second because the guy tried to go take second on the on the errant throw, perfectly to the shortstop, who also butchered the ball, and they didn't get the runner at second. Not only that, but then they went and bad news bared it, right? Went to left center. The center fielder picked it up. He threw it to third base behind the runner. The runner comes all the way around and scores on three errors. It looked like every the embodiment of Little League Baseball gone wrong, right? And so he's over there apoplectic, and I grab him by the shirt, and I said, let's go. And I probably did so in too physical a manner, and I lost my cool because I've, I've had it with my son, who I love more than any little boy on earth, making a fool of himself, making too big a deal about a mistake that frankly wasn't his. And even if it was, no one is getting on to him, but he causes a scene. My wife said, hey, look, you, you got to work on when you get angry. You can't tell your son not to get upset, and then you get upset. Kids do. Uh, kids are a reflection of adults. Look, I understand marijuana should be decriminalized. I totally understand it. But when you start to legalize marijuana, the trickle-down is high school kids, junior high kids are like, marijuana's legal now. Well, it's not actually legal for you. Eh. Right? That's what happens. There's a trickle-down to it. Trickle down to it. What's legal for adults, what they see adults doing, they emulate. It's the same thing with bat flips. It's the same thing with flopping and anything that you don't like that you see. The reason you don't like it is not just because it happens in your sports event. Flopping. Okay. Taking terrible shots. Cadillacking after hitting a home run. You pick it. You pick it out. The reason you don't like it is because we all know kids are going to emulate what they see on TV and what they see the adults do. The reason we can't lose our cool, as I did Saturday with my son playing Mustang baseball in Newport Beach, California, is because how can I tell my kid not to lose his cool when I lose my kid, tell, lose my cool, tell my kid not to lose his cool? Do you understand? And so... I, I fully grasp the idea that it hasn't been hard for us to gamble. Right? But having a gambling problem is maybe the worst addiction you can have. You can have. Gambling is no different as an addiction than drugs or alcohol or smoking. Once you get a taste of it, some people just can't control themselves. And, and while we 
we look, we know why this is all we know why this is all taking place, right? It's all taking place because state budgets are out of control. And the first thing to help school budgets was, hey, we'll do the state lottery, which is kind of like gambling, although the odds are way stacked against you. And people do it, but I don't know anybody who does it often. And then, of course, when there's not enough money generated from the state lottery, then they turn to weed. And they're like, wow, look, Colorado's making all this money, so now every state is legalizing weed. And by the way, weed probably should have been decriminalized a long time ago. You just don't want to make it out and out legal. And why? Because kids are going to emulate what they see their parents or, or young adults do. And the same is true with Vegas. I love Vegas. I love the idea of the science of putting a line on a game. I love the idea of a science behind putting a line on a half. I, I, who doesn't love prop bets? I mean, it's, it's what we do. On the other hand, the second you basically tell the world, hey, gambling on sports is legal, Think about the trickle-down to that. Think about the trickle-down to that. So just be careful about Pandora's box being opened and not under and, and don't downplay the relationship between what is legal for an adult to do and is broadcast as legal and is celebrated as legal, how kids are going to take it. Have you ever heard the word degenerate used before anything else in life other than gambler? You ever notice that? Degenerate was a word I believe created with the sole purpose of being put before gambler. Because a degenerate gambler will do anything, bet anything to win that next game. I mean, look, Craig Carton is a friend and... He was the number one sports radio co-host in New York City. Now, I don't know if he's guilty of his the crimes that he's being accused of in New York City, but the logic behind why he would defraud people of millions of dollars was simply to pay off bets because the house always wins. Have you ever heard the word degenerate before any other word? other than gambler? The answer is no. And I know we all like to think we can control ourselves, but the fact is we cannot. And to empower the states is a scary, scary thought when you think what else would the states do if they were empowered? And oh yeah, by the way, we can handle it. Yes, because states handle everything else a plum, don't they? We are celebrating something that essentially still exists, only could, will likely become legal in each individual state. We are opening Pandora's box, but we are not taking a breath at all, even the sports world, to think about the implications for people who have not developed any of the skills that it takes, and we still don't have them, to protect themselves from themselves. And yes, every time I go to Vegas, I put money on games. Why? Because it's fun. And, but I can control myself. But I also don't, I'm not, I'm not genetically wired genetically wired to fall to addiction. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So what I find to be fascinating, absolutely fascinating, is this assumption, an assumption, that LeBron James 
has a photographic memory. Take a listen to what he said when he was asked about the fourth quarter. First possession, we ran him down all the way to two on the shot clock. Marcus Morris missed a jump shot, followed it up. He got it. They got a dunk. Uh, we came back down. We ran a set for Jordan Crawford. I mean Jordan Clarkson, and he came off and missed it. They rebounded it, and we came back on the defensive end and we got a stop. They took it out on the sideline. Jason Tatum took the ball out, threw it to Marcus Smart in the short corner. He made a three. We come back down, missed another shot. Tatum came down and went 94 feet, did a roll step, and made a right-hand layup timeout. <laughs> there you go. People are like, that's amazing. That's remarkable. It is. But I bet if you had Brad, asked Brad Stevens, he'd give you the same answer. I bet if you asked Al Horford, he, he might give you the same answer. The problem is not me underestimating the level of intelligence with LeBron James. He's super bright. The problem is most of you underestimating the level of intelligence with athletes and the fact that, like, listen, you talk to golfers and they can tell you stroke by stroke, hole by hole. We do understand that that is not a photographic memory. Right? Do you guys know what a photographic memory is? A photographic memory is one to which you can say, hey, this guy, you can pick out a, pick out a day, May 10th, it's May 14th, May 10th, I woke up, I was wearing a blue shirt, I was wearing, I was wearing my Tommy John boxers, I got up, I put on my black uh, Lululemon shorts, I walked in, it smelled, it smelled like rain outside, I walked outside, it was partially cloudy, a gray car drove by, when I was... A, a photographic memory is like looking at a photograph. LeBron James has an excellent memory. So too do do every catcher who plays, m- most catchers who play Major League Baseball, most pitchers, most golfers, most star basketball players, especially point guards. They just understand it. They just get it. And because they lived it, they feel it. They remember it. They have great recall. We'll have on quarterbacks. We'll ask them about a play. They'll be like, all right, it was third and six, and the wind was blowing out of the south, and we called this play, then we called that play, then we called that. You have on pitchers. They'll tell you about pitch sequences to different batters in different innings. 0.01% of people in the world, in the world, seven, eight billion people in the world, right, have a photographic memory. Now, maybe LeBron has a photographic memory. That's not a display of photographic memory. The, the problem isn't me underestimating the level of intelligence LeBron James. I think he's super bright, and I think yesterday he probably thought that wasn't a winnable game. He was struggling. His body might not have felt right. The Celtics were hitting all their shots, and the Cavs couldn't hit any. And he might have just thought, you know what? Conserve, conserve, conserve. All we got to win is one of these two games, and this wasn't the game. This ain't my day. Pack it in. I think the problem is most of you underestimating the level of intelligence of most athletes. Because we walk, we because you you were brought in to this sports conversation thinking that dumb jock was a real thing. And there are some dumb jocks, but there are also dumb salesmen, there's dumb radio hosts, there's dumb whatever. There, there's guys that are dumb doctors. You're like, how is that possible? Guy who graduates last in medical school, you know what they call him? Doctor. 
Anyway. 877-99-FOX is the number. Everybody's freaking out about that LeBron J. Oh, my gosh, he remembered four straight possessions. Well, I would hope he did. I would hope. Any player I know worth his grain of salt in terms of basketball intelligence, it's like a VCR they have run in their head, especially right after a game. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Clay Travis, whose uh, home ISDN line doesn't work. That means he's going old school, calling us on the phone. Uh, do you know anybody who has a photographic memory? Um, I, I, I think I probably do. I think, but I think photographic, I heard you the way you were describing it. I think photographic to me, sometimes you can have it. Sometimes you can. And what I mean by that is I, I have a little bit of one in that when you read, for instance, in a law firm, you know, like when you're constantly going through like reading documents over and over again, I think a lot of people who are regular readers will be like, Oh, I remember, you know, like, what part of the page that case that I need to need to cite is. I don't think that's that uncommon, right? Like when I was in law school, if, uh, if I read a case, I could be like, oh, that's at the bottom of page, you know, so-and-so, right? Like, and kind of have a little bit of a snapshot. But that would be training my, my, uh, my brain to remember that kind of thing, like, you know, signpost. I don't know anybody who has what you described, which is like, okay – I can remember things so perfectly that it's like, you know, it's almost like in those uh, spy movies, they'll sometimes show like a spy, like trying to remember something and it'll go back over his, uh, over his thought processes. And he's like, he's looking through a series of snapshots, snapshots of things that he has seen. Uh, I don't know anybody who's ever had that kind of ability. Yeah. It's called an, uh, uh, a Dedic, uh, I think it's called an Adidic memory or a photographic memory. It's like 0.1%. It's, Totally, totally freaky stuff. Jerry Lucas, the former Ohio State star, is the only guy that I can recall kind of having that kind of stuff. And, like, look, I like LeBron James. I think he's really smart. But I think people are going like, whoa, he can remember play-by-play action of what happened in a game he just played in. Like, yeah, that's most basketball players can do that. Most football pl- – a lot of football quarterbacks can do it. Catchers can do it. Point guards can do it. Coaches can do it. They're just – I, I, I think what happens is people assume that they're all dumb jocks and they underestimate – most guys' level of intelligence. Yeah, and there's different types of intelligence too, right? I mean, LeBron James, uh, I think, went on Twitter and didn't know that, like, sugar-coated, like, is like, it's the coat that's on, but he wrote it as sugar-coated. It Uh. means that he probably doesn't read that much, but when he plays basketball all day long, there's zero doubt that he has a high level of intelligence for basketball. Right, and most people who do something all day long are going to have a really high intelligence level about what they do. Right, there are guys who are mechanics that could barely pass, you know, like a GRE test. That if you ask them to break down a uh, an engine, they're like savants because they work in engines all day. Right, what you typically do for a living, you're really good at. I don't really consider that to be high level intelligence. To me, high level intelligence is oh. He could do basketball, and also he could break down. Uh, I, I don't know, but if he could put a, put, put an engine together back uh, without, you know, like if you put LeBron James in a, in, a, in a you know mechanic shop, and he's able to deconstruct a car and put it back together again, I'd be like, wow, that's really impressive. The fact that he remembers plays from a game he just played in, I think that's a really low standard for what uh, intelligence is. Uh, by the way, that means you think MacGyver is smarter than LeBron James. I want to just make sure we kind of point that out. 
Um, Zero and, doubt. Yeah. Uh, if if someone had the ability that MacGyver has, I would put him on a uh, test level higher than LeBron James. Because I bet MacGyver would also remember basketball plays pretty well. I want I want to get to sports gambling and what's being called a historic ruling by the Supreme Court of the United States earlier today with Clay Travis in a, in a second. You also tweeted out I think yesterday, which is, can anyone remember a game uh, in which the team was you know blown out by twenty five points and came back. And and won game two, and I pointed out it's, it was the NBA Finals. The Memorial Day Massacre was 1985. The Celtics just curb stomped the Lakers, and they came. And the Lakers came back and actually won game two, won the series, which leads us to this question: Was was Le, did LeBron shut it down, or were the Celtics really that much better than the Cavs yesterday? Yeah, what I said on the show this morning is the Cavs are six and one so far in these playoffs in games that have been decided in the final five minutes. And they have been blown out three times. They got blown out in game one by the Pacers at home, which obviously is more ominous than losing game one, getting blown out on the road, I think. Uh, they got blown out in game six, I think, by the, by the Pacers, and now they've been blown out by the Celtics. I said if the Celtics can win a close game in game two, or if they blow them out again, which I don't think will happen, but if they win a game at all in game two, I think then's when you hit the panic button if you are a Cavs fan. If the Cavs get out of Boston – tied up at 1-1, I think they got to be ecstatic. That's the goal anytime you go on the road, win, split, uh, especially when you're playing against the Celtics, who are 8-0 at home so far in the playoffs. Young team, they play better at home. That's not a surprise. So uh, I, I, I want to see what happens in game two. 94% of the time in the NBA, if you win game one and you win game two, you win the series. So I think needing LeBron James to win four out of five with this crew would be a tall task. Not to say he couldn't do it, just it would be a tall task. So to me, the series uh, for the Cavs probably boils down to uh, to game two. If the Celtics lose, I still think it's going to be a six or seven game series. Clay Travis has a great radio uh, radio show in the morning called Outkick the Coverage. You can keep it right here to Fox Sports Radio. Listen to it on uh, Sirius XM as well. And he has an afternoon show, which he does on Facebook and Periscope. Uh, also called Outkick, the coverage where he reacts to the day in sports and sometimes outside of sports. I'm guessing the Chipotle manager story is going to go down uh, probably on the show. But let's let's get to the um, Supreme Court ruling. What does it mean? The Supreme Court uh, struck down a federal law that prohibited sports gambling in any state that did not allow it prior to 1992. Um, and really, the state of Nevada is the only place out there Las Vegas, uh, Reno, uh, the entire state that allowed individual sports game wagering as well as futures, kind of what you would traditionally expect from a sports wagering marketplace. And so I think what the overall impact of this is going to be is it puts the decision back on individual states, and then it will be much like the lottery, uh, that individual states will be able to decide whether or not they want to permit sports gambling inside their borders. So they will, right? Because because like marijuana, like state lotteries, they need the, they need the tax revenue, so they'll legalize, won't they? I think the vast majority will. I think there's a few states. Utah probably will not, with really kind of a strong religious bent. For instance, Alabama has had a real prohibition against gambling in general. Uh, but the vast majority of states uh, certainly will, either in casino-style sportsbook wagering, which I think Mississippi, for instance, because of the Tunica impact and Biloxi and all their different uh, embrace of 
gambling will allow Vegas-style sportsbooks or other places will have to make decisions about how exactly they want that process to take place, but I think it will. Will will this will this go back before the Supreme Court, right? Because there could still be some other legislation written, or it could be any any of these state laws could be challenged as unconstitutional. Will this go back before the Supreme Court? Because basically, what the Supreme Court said, I think it's more likely that there could be a federal law that was passed that would try to implicate all different states. Uh, that would permit states to allow sports gambling given a larger societal framework, that would be more likely to be challenged, as is this ruling is pretty straightforward. Absent any federal occupation uh, of this legislation, then individual states would have the right under the Tenth Amendment, uh, which uh, is is about federalism, essentially. Um, If you are a federalist, you want for states to have strong rights and basically use the states as laboratories uh, to figure out what makes sense in a larger scale uh, setting. And so uh, I I think the vast majority of states will, many of which, uh, probably eight, nine, ten states potentially by the fall, will even allow you to gamble on football. Okay, so and and a lot of this doesn't really change, right? Like, I don't know anybody who's like, man, now I can gamble. Thank God, now I can gamble. There's a little bit of red herring. My issue with it is, and this is a little bit like the the legalization of weed. I'm more for the decriminalization of weed than the outright legalization of weed, only in that the trickle-down messaging to a high school kid, right? Which is, like, I I get that, well, I'm not allowed to do it till whatever age it says in state if it remains at 21 years old. But when it's legal for adults, it somehow becomes okay for kids, I know there's no constant has nothing to do with the ruling today. That's just my general feeling. What's your general feeling? I I am of the belief that if it is illegal and if I mean, sorry, if people are doing it and you can't point to a direct harm, then I'm for adults. And so uh, I feel the same way about weed. I feel the same way about uh, alcohol, gambling, uh, honestly, prostitution. Um, I think if consenting adults want to engage in something, it makes more sense to legalize it and tax it than it does to criminalize it. So I think the reality is most guys who want to gamble and are relatively tech savvy in any way are doing it on their phones already with an offshore site. Right. I think the idea that uh, that there are a lot of people who have no idea how to gamble today, if you really want to gamble, either you do it on your phone as an offshore or you've got a guy, right, a bookie right. who uh, who will take care of you. And uh, I think this just brings out of kind of the dark recesses of the uh, of the criminal underworld a bit more into the light uh, sports gambling, which I believe is happening at a high rate across the country. All right, so Clay Travis joining us, Outkick, the coverage uh, mornings on Fox Sports Radio. It hurts offshore sites. Does it hurt fantasy football, I think, would be in, because fantasy football is it's like legal gambling. Do you think this draws people away? Like, why would I do? It's like near beer. Why would I drink near beer when I can drink the the real thing? Yeah, I mean, I think fantasy football, maybe not, because a big part of fantasy football uh, is competing against your friends in a league. I think it kills daily fantasy. Um, I don't think there's any reason why somebody would play daily fantasy, frankly, if they can instead gamble on the actual games. So I think it kills, to a large extent, the daily fantasy industry. Uh, in exchange for gambling. I think a big part of fantasy football in general is drafting with your buddies, arguing over who's got the best team, competing against each other. I don't really think it hurts fantasy football necessarily, although 
I will use as an example me. I used to enjoy playing fantasy football. Now I find that I enjoy gambling a lot more than I do fantasy football. Yeah, because one's fake gambling, one's real gambling, right? Yeah, but, I mean, again, I think it's partly the camaraderie of the league and how many years it's been going on and everything else, whereas daily fantasy, like, I don't see any need at all for that. Why would I have a brand-new new team every week uh, made up of fake players and compete against people I don't know when, uh, when I can just gamble? Last thing, did you see this Chipotle story? Former manager of, nope. of a California Chipotle uh, Mexican Grill was accused. She was accused of stealing six hundred dollars, six hundred twenty-nine dollars, in two thousand fifteen, from a safe at their Fresno restaurant. This is a very Fresno story, by the way. Uh, her name's Jeanette Ortiz. Her bosses claimed that that was caught on tape, but they never showed her the tape. They fired her, and apparently, the, the reports they fired her because she fired a uh, she filed a um, like a workplace injury lawsuit. Said she had carpal tunnel for, from working. There, so they tried to get rid of her, and that's how they tried to get rid of her. She won a claim for seven point nine seven million dollars. Okay, seven point nine seven million dollars, one point nine seven in loss of wages, which sounds like a lot. How many years would you have to work at a Chipotle? I don't know how profitable Chipotle is, but that seems like an awful lot of money. And uh, six million dollars in emotional distress. All right, so you are a lawyer or a former lawyer with a you know a law degree and a former practicing attorney. Um, does that mean will Chipotle actually pay seven point nine seven million dollars? No way. They will. They will appeal. I would guess that they might have had the worst lawyers of all time, or they got the worst jury of all time. I I, you're, I hadn't heard anything about this this case at all. But uh, but a lot of times the judge will look at the jury's verdict and say there's absolutely no way to justify that and adjust it based on their appeal of that verdict. And then uh, I'm certain that they will appeal it to the next uh, the next level of, uh, of jurisdiction there and argue that there was some trial error, for instance. And I don't know off the top of my head, did they uh, allow that video to be introduced as evidence? Did they for, did they not allow it? Was there some uh, bit of evidence that Chipotle feels like should have been introduced to trial that was rejected by the judge that could have impacted this jury? Um, every now and then a jury goes crazy, right? I mean. Uh, we like to believe in the jury system, but 12 people are randomly selected and put onto a, uh, tr- a jury, and usually the wisdom of those 12 is better than the wisdom of any one. But sometimes you get a runaway jury like this, and uh, and they end up with a verdict that is frankly unsupportable by any of the existing evidence. And based on what you've told me, it sounds like this would be one of those. By the way, she was apparently making 70 grand a year as the general manager of that store. Seven, That's seven. a lot more than I would think that you would make, frankly. If you're making seventy grand a year, why does she need to steal six hundred? I mean, that seems like a bad career decision by itself. Uh, yeah, well, there's no 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 video or whatever. Anyway, I'm sure it'll be on Outkick Outkick's uh, Periscope show upcoming. Uh, you'll do your research and inform us, Clay Travis. Clay, great stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, appreciate y'all having me. Thanks a lot. The the pleasure is mine. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Chris Mannix is an NBA insider for Yahoo Sports. Make sure you check out his show Sundays from noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time alongside NBA champion Karan Butler. It's called Chris and Karan's really good on Fox Sports Radio. Mannix, do you think uh, LeBron gave everything he had to win that game last night? No, um... I don't know why, but no. Um, you know, it, it reminded me a lot of what I saw in game one of the Indiana series. Um, he just kind of, you know, sort of sleepwalked his way through it. And, 
you know, after that game and, and, and after this one, he said the same things, that, that he uses game one as kind of a feeling out period. And, I mean, look, it's his process, and, and who's to argue with? It's been successful, but uh, he's going up against a team in Boston that is, is, is very disciplined and is going to have a lot to throw at him over the next few games. That seemed like an interesting time to, to really get passive, especially offensively where, you know, all the times he saw switches in the Toronto series, he attacked them. When he saw switches in the Boston game, uh, he didn't. Yeah, um, well, is, is that no personnel bait? Like, he couldn't get a step on the big guys of the Boston Celtics. That, to me, now, look, maybe some of it is, you know, my, the only thing I can think of is he's conserving energy because he thought when they, when they give a 25-2 to run and they're down 20 in the second half, there's not much you can do. You're just wasting energy so you don't have anything left for game two, right? But he still, even in the first half, struggled to get by an Al Horford, struggled to get by some of the other big guys of the Boston Celtics, and that's going to be a problem if when he gets a big guy on him, he can't go by him. Yeah, no, look, I, I agree with that part of it. It's, it's Again, it goes back to when he had Rozier on him and Smart on him and, some, and even Jalen Brown on him. He, he wasn't attacking. In, in Jason Tatum, same thing. Tatum has got some length, but nowhere near the strength to, to keep LeBron um, from getting to the rim. He, he just he didn't have that same sort of mentality. Maybe it was the score. Maybe he, he saw the game was out of reach and saw how, uh, how much energy it would have taken him just to get his team back within striking distance. Maybe that was a factor in his process, but it was, it was all the times that he wound up with a smaller, uh, physically inferior defender on him that he's kind of surveyed the floor, looked for somebody to pass to or settle for an open jump shot. You know, the LeBron I saw in the Toronto series, you know, it posted up, was physical, got to the rim. Um, I really think that's what we're going to see, you know, from, from moment one in game two. I mean, we, did, we saw it in game two of that Indiana series. I think we see a lot of the same things. I, I I would agree. I just I don't know if there's going to be the offense there. Although maybe he like the Indiana series goes for forty forty five and that that ends up becoming enough. I also think then the problem at the other end uh, becomes an issue in that you know look they have older players that can make shots but they just can't defend the basketball. Terry Rozier didn't do much. Al Horford did. Al Horford went by Kevin Love like he was standing still. Like they still can't defend the ball. And while that may work against. You know, the Pacers that don't have enough shooters, it might work against the Raptors that they have good matchups. I'm not sure it works against the Celtics. What are your thoughts heading forward? No, no, look, I agree with that. Um, you know, one thing Boston does better than Indiana or Toronto is that they find your defensive weaknesses and exploit it. You know, Kyle Corver out there on the floor, uh, you may get what you get from him offensively, but he's going to get attacked every time down. I mean, Marco Bellinelli was, was a great example of that. I mean, how well did Bellinelli play in that first-round series against Miami. Um, Against the Celtics, he had his moments, but Bellinelli was attacked every single time uh, down the defensive end of the floor. They went Bellinelli hunting out there, and they'll do the same thing with with Kyle Korver. I mean, they're they're just too smart and too well-coached not to take advantage of every single matchup. That's why, you know, look, I think even if LeBron does go for 46, 47, just like against Indiana where they barely won that game, I don't know that they win this one either. I mean, you know, LeBron just going off is not enough anymore for this team to win games. So somebody you know, on that team, probably two people, maybe it's Tristan Thompson who seems likely to get the start. Uh, somebody's going to have to play a lot better. Chris Mannix joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, part of it is that there's LeBron, right? Uh, part of it is that the Celtics are still – they're still underdogs to win the series. And part of it is – I. I 
I feel like Houston is in a different space than the Celtics. I felt like game one, though the Cavs were dismantled and disappointing, I don't think that feels as as like as big a game as game one for the Rockets is, even though they're in a similar situation. What are your thoughts on the relationship game one tonight as opposed to game one last night? Oh, no, I agree with you there. I mean, Houston, you know, this game is everything. Um, you know, the Cleveland, I, I think Cleveland can even go down 0-2, and I still give them a shot to win the series. I mean, Boston is a different team on the road, and, you know, when you have the best player on the floor and the best player on the floor has been through this so many times like LeBron has, you've got a shot. 0-2 is not, you know, an, an unrecoverable hole. If you're the Rockets, though, and you've spent the entire season – you know, trying to get to this position, to have home court advantage, to lose it on the first game, you know, that would be just mentally crippling, especially against a team like Golden State, to give them momentum and to kind of allow them to gain some confidence and, and have some doubt cream at the head of the Rockets. I mean, it's, this, is, this is everything for Houston. I mean, I look, honestly, Doug, I think game two is everything for Boston. I mean, I think they have to go up two-zip to, to be able to win this series. But for Houston game one, you know, they, they simply can't lose that first game after spending all season digging for home court. All right, so who do you like and why? I, I like Golden State still. Uh, and, 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 look, I, I loved everything I saw from the Rockets in that series against Utah, especially Clint Capella being, at times, the best defensive player on the floor, a floor he shared with Rudy Gobert. Uh, everything I saw from Golden State tells me that their firepower is all the way back. I mean, Steph, uh, you know, working his way back into the mix, you know, KD playing the way he's playing, I mean, I think Draymond, they're gonna. I think the Rockets are gonna force Draymond to make some shots on the outside. I think the, the the Warriors bench is a lot weaker than it's been in years past. But I don't know. I just I just trust that firepower in Golden State more than I trust the depth in Houston. I, I do too. I do too. And I also think the matchups play in their favor. Houston has yep. to have Capella to win, and I don't know how you put Capella in and play in big minutes against the death lineup. Yeah, I don't know. I think he can play there. Don't I mean? I I could see him with the way he was playing in that series and how he plays off of Harden, right? Harden goes to the rim, and it seems like he and Capella have developed a real nice chemistry on knowing where each other is on the floor and you know, kind of throwing that lob. I, I think he I think he can in those situations, but he can't be a decoy. He, he's going to have to offensive rebound, uh, you know, you know, be a threat from from ten feet out or whatever. He's shooting that jump shot. He's got to do something uh, offensively for them to be successful. Chris Mannix joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, there's been there's been a lot of talk about um, uh, about what happened with the Toronto Raptors and how do you fire uh, the NBA's Coach of the Year? But you're an NBA insider for Yahoo. You know what people are really saying. Is there what people say publicly and what they say privately is something completely different? Uh, what's their reaction inside the NBA to what happened in Toronto? It's there's no real surprise. Um, I think coming into this playoff, most of the people that that I had had any kind of discussions about, you know, this Raptors team, and look, people don't run around talking much about the Raptors, but um, you know, it, you had to beat Cleveland, or at the very least, you had to be life and death with Cleveland. This is probably the best Raptors team of the Dwayne Casey era, and I don't think you can argue. It's the worst Cavaliers team of the LeBron, you know, Cleveland 2.0 uh, era. And, and to get broomed out and to be, you know, completely non-competitive in game four, to, to, to lose the way they did by 18 in game two, it, it didn't surprise anybody. I mean, look, sometimes you can have a, a firing of a coach and, and a situation dissolve and, and really have nobody kind of, 
you know, be overly, you know, uh, overly emotional about it. even even Dwayne Casey. I think Dwayne Casey understands it. I mean, I haven't heard from him yet, aside from that letter uh, that he put in the Toronto Star. But I think Dwayne even gets it and understands that this was his moment. And the fact that they lost the way they did. Uh, you know, both these sides will bounce back. I mean, the, the you know, Mike Budenholzer is, is the favorite in Toronto right now. Casey is going to make $6 million next year not to coach and then be the hottest coaching property on the market. You know, they'll both recover, so it, it's not really a big surprise to most. Who gets the job? Well, it, it, I, it, I think Budenholzer is going to have the opportunity. But if it comes down to Milwaukee or Toronto, what does he choose? I mean, I would choose Milwaukee. I mean, the Bucks' job seems like it has more staying power. I mean, the, the Raptors might be more competitive next season, but the Bucks' job could be competitive for five, six years with Giannis uh, in that mix. I think those two teams are going to be jockeying for, for Mike Budenholzer. And uh, if Toronto winds up whipping on him, I don't know where they turn. I mean, Nick Nurse is favored within the organization. But is that a big upgrade over Dwayne Casey? Do they go to Jerry Stackhouse, who's been coaching the Raptors 905 team, but is only a few years removed from retiring? Uh, it's, there's not a lot of great options outside of Budenholzer. Um, okay, so that brings us to the idea that everybody has of, of hiring uh, the first ever female coach in, in NBA history. And, like, look, I like Becky Hammond, and I think one day she will be an NBA coach. And I know that the league is pushing this, but she's behind the bench. She's not even on the bench. So in addition to leapfrogging other Spurs assistants, like, I kind of feel like everything has to be just perfect in terms of the front office and players being on board and going out of the, 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 the shelter of the Spurs into a different organization, especially when she hasn't been on the bench, on the front side of the bench, uh, for at least a year, I think that's, that's, that's like a disaster waiting to happen. What are your thoughts on Hammond getting a job this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think that this is the year. I, I think that she's involved in an interview process is great. It's going to be great for her to experience that. And once she experiences it once, she's going to know – what the next one feels like and, and kind of be more prepared uh, for it. But I, I'm with you there. You know, you, you know, people get offended when you say like, she's got to pay her dues. Well, you do. I mean, look, Jay Laranaga in Boston is paying his dues. Uh, you know, Steven Silas in Charlotte is, is paying his dues. You know, when you're not like a doc rivers or, or somebody of that ilk where you had a long NBA career and, and you can go from the broadcast booth into the, the coaching box other than that, you do have to come up the ranks. You got to be a Stan Van Gundy, or you got to be a coach of that line. Uh, and Becky Hammond, I think she has the, the, you know, from everything I hear out of San Antonio, she's got the potential to be uh, a head coach someday. But this is the first step in what's probably going to be a long process for her, and it should be. Like, let her get on the bench and maybe take James Borrego's spot there after Borrego got the job in Charlotte. Take on even more responsibilities. She's in the right with the right team and the right system with the right coach. I think she'll get there one day, but I don't. I don't see how anybody could be offended by the suggestion that she's not ready for this. No, I. But they are. That's that's. Yeah, that's I don't the get way that. The, I mean, like, yeah. but it's like it is is. You know, Jay Laranag has been a coach for a long time. He's been Brad Stevens' lead assistant. Brad Stevens widely regarded right now as as arguably the best coach in basketball. Jay's not going to get a job. Should we be an uproar that Jay didn't get it? Should Should Becky Hammond get a job over Jay Laranag? I mean, that's. that's it's just a process, Doug, and you know that. And I think most people, when they when they take off their full rage, they probably know it too. No, I understand that. I'm, but but what you and I are offering up is will be seen as totally counter opinions. 
but they're re- they're very realistic opinions that are shared by most people in the NBA. But that's not that's not the ones they choose to share on radio or on TV. Like, well, Pal well, Gasol, let's, let's, Pal Gasol wrote something, so damn it, that's got to be the case. Like, yeah, that that that's great that Pal thinks that way. But one, we're in, we're, you're still in a male ego driven world like the NBA. Second, she's only been in one organization. Third, she hasn't yet been on the bench. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into it before you go like, yeah, hire her because she knows basketball. Cool. Look, yeah, and, and Pau's right, I'm sure. Like, he's around her. I'm sure he's, he's, he's 100% right. But, I mean, I could name any number of assistants that some players swear by who, who do the job really well. Um, it, it's it, Look, put it this way. If if there were teams or general, general, not even owners. Owners don't know anything. They they think they do, but they don't. If there were general managers that believed, you know, the of the of the seven eight jobs that were open, including Orlando, still open. If they believed that it was that Becky Hammond was the right choice for the job right now, they would hire her. These guys have have everything on the line. Like they would bring her in over any other uh, assistant that was out there, whether it's Nick Nurse or, or or Stackhouse or anybody else. But you know they don't, and and it's not it's it's not a, a shot against her. It's just that she's just early in this coaching process to get a head job. Yeah, that's the part, by the way, about the, the coaching change in Toronto. Like, my guy, I'm friends with Nick Nurse as well. I played for him. He was mm-hmm. a head coach overseas. Uh, he's been assistant coach forever in the NBA. And when Dwayne Casey gets fired, he gets fired as well, right? And so that's that's the worst part because he's this close to getting a head coach job. Maybe he gets the Toronto job if, in fact, Budenholzer turns it down um he could be in the mix in orlando too you know jeff weltman you know came from toronto it, it wouldn't surprise me if jeff winds up hiring somebody from that toronto pipeline whether it's nick or jerry Stackhouse. right which is the place which is the type of job that she should get which is somebody from san antonio goes somewhere that's where she should go or or try and wait and be the heir apparent in san antonio because she's got that place wired because in order for it to work she's got to have everybody pulling in her direction otherwise it's going to be seen as a as a press conference hire, and that doesn't work. you got to work. It's on the day-to-day basis. You have to have total buy-in for it. Uh, uh, and, and, Doug, there's going to be so many challenges for her early on. I mean, look, I was at the Celtics practice today, and, you know, Brad Stevens was asked about uh, all the attention being paid to him, all the, the homage, if you will, being, being paid to him. And he talked about how uncomfortable it was, and, and it's, it's not really something that he's, he's used to, and, and all the attention necessarily being on him. The first job that Becky Hammond takes is going to be all the attention on her for the first season and beyond. There are going to be challenges to that, and 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 unless you're you're completely ready for it, and and I'm not sure that Becky is right now, uh, you you don't hire yet. Clay Thompson has offered up, or there's a possibility that he'll take a massive, uh, not a pay cut, but he won't take the absolute most that he can get in order to stay in in Golden State. Now, look, guys have said this before. Hey, I'll I'll take less in order to stay, but it almost never happens. Like even KD that took a little bit less, he's it's going to get worked out on the back end. What's the what's the reality to what happens with Clay Thompson? I tell you, Doug, it, with with almost every other player, I would agree with you that it's it's unlikely to happen. But I've had this exact conversation with Clay a handful of times over the years. He's just wired a little bit differently. I mean, he has, and it, this isn't like a criticism of him saying he doesn't have the desire to go out and be the alpha on his own team. He loves his role, he loves the city, and he loves winning. He likes being a part of that culture. So the idea that he would take, you know, ten millions off, ten million off the top to stay there would not surprise me one bit. Now I'd like to see the final numbers of it, but when I saw that report. 
didn't surprise me at all when it came to Clay Thompson. Great stuff. You can check him out Sundays on Fox Sports Radio, 12 to 3 Eastern Time. Of course, read his work in Yahoo Sports. He fills in for Dan Patrick. You see him, feel him, know him everywhere. He's the great Chris Mannix. Mannix, great stuff. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, Doug. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with the code DUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the I iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from iHeart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.